Welcome to the Chiropractic United podcast series for the beginning of April 2011. This podcast is brought to you by CPP Seminars. We have a cervical adjusting seminar focusing on instrument adjusting, upper cervical spine in Kansas City for May 14th, 2011. Also coming over to London on May 21st for pediatric adjusting and follow that by biomechanics at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas on June 4th and 5th. We'll see you then. Also brought to you by Elite Coaching. For more information on Dr. Fred DiDomenico and how his coaching methods can help your practice, go to www.elitecoachingllc.com. Also new to CBP as well as Elite Coaching, we have a new patient care class available. Many of you enjoyed the patient care class that Dr. Harrison and myself did many years ago. Well, Dr. Fred joined forces with CBP and we have the best patient education class available. It's Youth in Vitality 2011. For more information, browse to either CBP Seminars or Elite Coaching homepage for more information. This podcast is also brought to you by PostureCo, developers of the X-ray digitization EMR known as PostureRay. For more information on how PostureRay can benefit and build your practice, browse to www.posturco.com. Also, while there, check out our iPhone and iPad screening app known as Posture Screen Mobile. Just submitted to iTunes is the update for a comparison module. Soon you'll be able to do comparisons before and after adjustment or before and after care. So that way you can see how effective your treatment interventions are at correcting those subluxations. Better yet, it's the best educational tool. Imagine your CA doing a posture exam on a patient before you adjust them, right afterwards you adjust them. Before they get home, they have in their inbox, in their email, a chance to show their husband or their wife the changes that just occurred with their spine, which obviously leads to better health. So for more information, browse to posturco.com. Good evening, everyone. This is May 3rd, 2011 edition of Chiropractic United. So our purpose is to not only educate, teach, and deliver the latest in chiropractic research management and uh, philosophy. But tonight we have an amazing speaker and amazing topics. And uh, we're honored that on the phone tonight or on Skype, we have Joe Ferrantelli of Posture Co. Uh, me, Dr. Fred DiDomenico of Elite Coaching, usually Deed Harrison of CBP, although he's sick tonight. And most importantly, our guest, Dr. Angel Tribuno, and uh, she's been a chiropractor since 1993, been through the gamut of schools, and has had ex- life experiences that truly testify to the principle, philosophy, and application of chiropractic care. Has uh, not only through chiropractic, but just as a human spirit for uh, to be able to come into this life and to be able to discover her purpose through adversity, yet to have the strength, courage, and conviction to overcome extreme odds, and yet to be able to testify to the truth of uh, not only the divinity within us all, but the purpose of chiropractic. So we're honored to have you, Dr. Angel, and yes, uh, we'd love to hear your story. Welcome, oh, thank Angel. You. Thank you, Dr. Fred. Um, you just want me to start from the beginning? Sure. Excellent. In 1976, I resided in New York. I was one of the first women in my county in New York to be divorced, which at that time in the nice. 70s, yeah, was, you know, they, they did, did everything short of putting a big red S on your chest. Way to test the limits there. 
Thank you very much. So the, my first memory of that something was wrong, I couldn't tell hot from cold or wet from dry. I couldn't tell if my baby's diapers were wet or dry. And then I had severe abdominal pain and eventually, you know, I went to the hospital because I grew up in the medical paradigm. I grew up with the nurse, the priest, the rabbi, and the doctor were as close to God as, as truly existed. I went to the hospital and there the first diagnosis was gastroenteritis. I was, you know, sent away and I got progressively worse. Now I couldn't tell if uh, the water in the bathtub was wet or dry, if it was hot or cold. I, I, was, I was going downhill pretty quickly. I was raced by ambulance to a hospital on Long Island where my admitting diagnosis was mental instability and dehydration. And I emphasize the mental instability because when they found out that I was Roman Catholic and divorced, anyone who was complaining of such signs and symptoms had to truly be mentally disabled. Nice. <laughs> I, I don't know how many days I was in the hospital until uh, many years later when we went over the records, but I was in a, a, a medical floor. My brother came to visit me. I remember I was propped up in bed and my brother was a fireman, you know, we came from an Italian family. You're either in the fire department or you're, you're a nun or a priest. <laughs> so we were in the fire department and my brother realized I was in respiratory arrest. He went out to announce this to the nurses, please, you know, my sister's in respiratory arrest, cardiac arrest is going to happen. And the nurse said to my brother, a big Italian boy, uh, your sister has finally shut up. She's been screaming for five days. My brother pulled her across the counter and said, if my sister dies, so do you. Yeah. That's a way to speak in bullets. Yeah. <laughs> no paragraphs and there. It was um, you know, he, he, quite courageous. We may fight amongst ourselves, but we're, we're a very close-knit family. I remember the nurse coming into my room, and I heard her say, oh, my God. Now, you need to understand, I was in full cardiac and respiratory arrest at this point. I remember her pulling the pillows from behind my back. I remember her turning me on my side and putting a a board under my back. And I knew all these things because I was also an EMT with the, with the local volunteer fire department. Um, I heard her, I, I remember her straddling me. I heard her say, oh my God. I felt all nine precardial thumps that she did and I felt all my ribs break. And then I left my body. Now, they worked on me for, for a while and they couldn't bring me back. They pulled the sheet over my head as my mother entered the room. Now, as my father used to say, we're all Sicilian. All right, you have an Irish relative. It happens to be your mother. <laughs> but my mother was four foot nothing, victim of rheumatoid arthritis, had Canadian crutches, and a, a very good uh, foundation principle on, on four-letter language as she's praying at the same time. Nice. Any, <laughs> Is that Catholic Irish by any chance? That's Catholic Irish and uh, dragging the, the rosary beads and explained to the doctors in a language they understood, I am not going out there and telling her father his little girl is dead, you let her die, now bring her back. And clearly, medicine did the best they could. They had no diagnosis. They did revive me. I had nine more cardiac arrests within the six-month period I was in a special coronary care unit. I had a multitude of spinal taps, um, I was fed through a tube in my nose, I breathed through a tube in my throat. Um, every part of my anatomy was covered in funguses and, and uh, different bacteria growths because they only knew how to treat the condition and the disease with antibiotic therapy. Mm -hmm. um, but now, I How old were you? 
I was 24. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> yeah, I was 24. And um, everyone did the best they could, but you couldn't diagnose this condition, which the diagnosis wouldn't have mattered, because no one else had survived it. So it, it was an impossible task. They shaved every bit of hair on my anatomy looking for ticks because that was the year of the, you know, uh, they were worried about um, Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Eventually when we did, they did get a diagnosis, they realized that Guillain-Barre, which is an ascending demyelinating disorder, had taken over not only the peripheral nervous system, but my central nervous system as well. And um, so I, I spent a couple of months in a coma, on a respirator, completely paralyzed. I went down to 47 pounds. I had bed sores or decubitus in areas where, where bones were laying on flesh. Um, my mother created a system of rotations for me because she, she worked in an industry where creative genius was paramount in, in her field in the textile industry. And my family worked day and night to keep me alive with the assistance of medicine. I then went and lived for two years in a uh, rehab center, Brunswick Rehabilitation Center. And when I was discharged, when you're discharged from a rehab center that you live in, they call a family meeting and they had everyone come and they explained, you know, your sister's, you know, she's done very well, but she'll never be anything more than a vegetable. We recommend you institutionalize her. Well, I have a question real quick. Sorry to interrupt. How'd you get from 47 pounds into a rehab center? Uh, I mean, obviously your body recuperated. They, I was taken by ambulance from the special coronary care unit at the hospital I was on Long Island to the rehab center. Right, so um, you were still 47 pounds. Yeah, I was, I think, no, I think at that point I was 61 pounds. They had to get me over 60 pounds to be accepted into the rehab center. Mm -hmm. huh. Amazing. Yeah. And, um, and, and we, they did, you know, we did the best we could, but they never, medicine never anticipated any further recovery than I had reached at that moment in time. So the residuals of Guillain-Barre, like the residuals of the intense antibiotic therapy I'd been out on for over two and a half years, didn't allow my system to fight any diseases or conditions that just came along. Mm -hmm. um, I also with, was without a menstruation for many years. I mean, nothing, I couldn't, because of the multiple cardiac arrests, some, the first one that was 28 minutes long, I didn't know the alphabet, I didn't know the names of things. Um, I, I started all over almost as a child. And um, then they discovered I had cancer. <laughs> oh, so, as, yeah. So as my father used to say, I couldn't have gotten lucky with a loaf of bread under each arm during a famine. Wow. Things were pretty bad. Right. <laughs> and someone that I had met in the ambulance corps said, "Why don't you try chiropractic?" You know, when you're desperate, you'll try anything. Mm -hmm. Went to a chiropractor who had just graduated from NYCC. She uh, didn't feel she could help someone like me. I walked, I walked by hip flexion, I had foot drop, I breathed through a cannula in my neck, I uh, voided through a cannula in my bladder, uh, my arms were in complete flexion, my hands were claws, my eyes bulged because the ocular muscles couldn't hold the eyeball in, and I had a terrible body odor from all the toxins that my body was releasing, and she sent me to Davenport, Iowa to Dr. Virgil Strang. Mm, nice. Wow. And that's where my chiropractic journey began. Wow. 
That's pretty intense. Nice, <laughs> nice choice of a chiropractor, though. Yeah. I had a little bit of principle, didn't he? Yes, yes, yes. And it's interesting so, because now I teach documentation and I teach jurisprudence. But Dr. Virgil Strang took one look at me and he didn't take my blood pressure. He didn't take my pulse. He didn't ask me really many questions at all. He simply told his assistants to put me on a table. Yep. Well, I imagine a consultation would have been rather extensive at that history. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, we need to just look at... Let's look. Start with your neck. How's that? And then yeah. we'll work our way down. That's exactly wow. what he. That's exactly where he started. The first adjust. My first adjustment was a toggle. Wow. Right. So, so you, pro you probably got the toggle down. Too bad Joe didn't yeah. uh, follow through with that, huh? Yeah, I know. That that's the joke that everybody doesn't know is that one of my only bees that I got in chiropractic school, Angel, was uh, you were the instructor that uh, beat me up in toggle. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I'm, I'm lucky I made it through school after that. Hey, now you know why she was <laughs> stiff on the toggle technique. Yeah, man. now that, now that was a lifesaver. How many uh, people did you not get honestly, that with, Joe? Yeah, honestly, Angel. I mean, knowing this now, I understand now why it was you were so passionate about it. And of course, me being a student, I didn't have my eyes open to why it was so important back then. You know, because a lot of students have their eyes closed; they don't realize what they're doing, how far-reaching what they're doing is. You know, especially as a student, you really don't know um, yes. unless they, unless you had a, a, a personal life changing event like what you went through, mm -hmm. you know. And I can appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I'm still a student. I, I, I've attended CBP programs. I, I've been a student at Dr. Sid Williams' foot since I, since I was a student uh, when I first attended his, his school in 1990. I've studied with some of the greatest minds in the world, but... Uh, due to my limited ability to learn in the recuperation stages of this condition, um, I, I, I struggled. Mm -hmm. uh, but once I understood something, once I got the big idea, it, 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 it was so important to me to make sure that anyone, a student, a student clinician, a practicing chiropractor, put their hands on someone. They did it knowing with full certainty that the bone they were going to move was going to change the course of someone's life. Yep. Nice. Wow. Forever. That's yeah. Right. You know, I've been in, I've been down in Florida to teach and, and had tremendous chest pains and knew I was in the middle of a heart attack and always stayed with chiropractors. And when they realized I was in real trouble and rushed to a hospital and they, you know, they, they put in all these tubes and they, and they stick uh, needles in your arms and veins and they say, you know, you, you need to make some plans because we don't think we can pull you through this. And you get enough courage to pull the, pe to pull those, those needles out and say, I'm going home because I believed with full certainty that the adjustment was going to work. It was just going to take some time. Now, I'm not suggesting as practicing chiropractors that we don't know when to refer. Right. But I know that if the nervous system is flowing at its peak performance for that individual host, your organs and systems will function. Yes. Well, you know, you made a very interesting comment Angel, and that is when a doctor, chiropractor, puts his hands on a patient, I think the thing that students don't get, and unfortunately a lot of doctors don't get by seeing these kind of miracles, is that do it with intention, and do it with the power of the universe is at your hands. And, you know, I mean, CBP is about, you know, 
sections of the spine and full global posture, yet you put a force into a spine, then the universe changes, and that's a that's the big idea. And so, you know, each one of us that puts our hands on people has the power of the universe at our hands and deliver it with intention. Mm-hmm. I, I think there is nothing more important than that. And if you'll allow me, I'd, I'd like to share uh, something that I, I haven't shared with you in the past. Um, my oldest daughter gave birth to a child. It was an emergency C-section. He was... He was um, in a very poor position in the womb, and, and we were very blessed to have many chiropractors with us to help us make this decision. And they permitted me to go in the operating room, and when this child was brought into the world, he was not breathing. He, uh, they, they wanted to start you know, CPR and, and, and do a trach, and I, I prayed. I prayed with everything I had inside of me. I, I literally channeled every great chiropractor I ever met because I'd never been in a situation like this and I couldn't pick up a phone and call for help. And I put myself between that medical staff and my grandson and straddled that uh, incubator and put my pinky on Atlas. And my grandson's 11 years old today. Wow. Nice. And I had never moved an atlas with my pinky. I, I'd been, you know, I'd studied with Joel Miller and I, I'd studied the works of, of, of uh, Larry Webster. Mm-hmm. But to actually, to actually do it without, you know, somebody behind you, you have to be able to know that your intention, if, if you don't have it inside you, you can draw from the universe. Mm-hmm. You can draw from the educated and intellectual um, opportunities available to us because that's, that's, Entitled to all doctors, all people who truly want to heal have that opportunity to draw from the universe. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's who we are. Yep, uh, absolutely. And I mean, the, the the stories that you have that I mean, such a life impact are truly amazing. And you you have a little bit more to share with us. <laughs> yeah, I and that. I was just thinking, you know, we must sound like just a family full of stories, but um, I'm sorry, I apologize, Joe. No, that's good. No, I, I want you to go on. This is truly okay. amazing. I mean, the, the world okay. has to hear what chiropractic can do. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, and I, you know, it, for us, it's a way of life. Uh, my grandchildren are all growing up now, and they get hit in the face with a football, and 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 my grandson had dislocated his atlas, and we just we just go to the chiropractor. I may not be able to do it because then the grandma and me takes over. Yeah. But first, we go to the chiropractor first for everything. Yep. You know, not a broken arm, not a ruptured appendix. But uh, a diseased organ or system, first we go to a chiropractor. Well, you know, as I shared with everyone, I, I, am a, I uh, had a condition known as Guillain-Barre syndrome, an acute idiopathic polyneuritis, and I became pregnant at the end stages of that condition or disease and um, gave birth. And um, she was, did I tell you this part already, guys? I'm sorry. I got no, a little No, no, no. Okay. I apologize. So... Uh, in the, during the pregnancy, um, the medical team in my in my corner really wanted me to have a scheduled C-section. But prior to that, they actually wanted me to give up the child. Because at that point, what I neglected to share with everyone, and I've kind of kept it to myself, but I don't mind sharing, I was a morphine addict, a Demerol addict, a codeine addict, and... Um, they were very concerned that the child was going to become a victim of these things. Well, I actually wound up giving birth in an ambulance. I only had like 15 minutes of labor. The child was born, wasn't breathing. They weren't able to revive her, wrapped her up, tried to take care of me. And um, there was a young man in the front of the rig. It was a volunteer rig. And uh, he adjusted her. 
and she is now a practicing chiropractor in Alabama, one of the third largest practices in Alabama, and a graduate of Life University. Wow. And so nice. he, was he in school as a chiropractor, or was he no, graduated he had just He had just graduated from NYCC. Wow. What? What? Oh, what? no, no, no. I beg your pardon. From National. Wow. That, he was a national. A national guy. Amazing. Was yeah, the that's even more amazing. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the miracle. <laughs> yes. I'm just kidding. Wow. Well, Three generations, you know. Most people don't even have one of those stories, and you have multiple stories. So it appears that uh, obviously life purpose is pretty clear, and through the generations in your family. Um, yeah, but I will share with you. Um, as a practicing chiropractor, I was kind of counting up the years. There's times I get discouraged, and I, and I get um, tired. Yeah. And I, I, I sometimes have to sit down and talk to God and say, God, are you sure this is what you want me to do? I'd really rather be cooking. Um, it's hard to listen to the woes and the handicaps people have instilled in their minds of the conditions and diseases they present with. And I, I get tired and I get discouraged. So I appreciate the opportunity to share with all of you because it gets me spizzed back up. It, yep. it reminds me what, what God created me to do. Wow. And now, Angel, do you ever share your stories with your patients, like in a lay lecture? I mean, do they, because, you know, a lot of times patients come in, they they think because they have sciatica, the world is ending. And they, they miss, like, the, they don't realize that, you know, a lot of times with, with uh, like, a doctor such as yourself that has such a, you know, just an amazing story, uh, do you share that with your patients at all? Yes, I actually, I, I, I take it into the, the lay lecture. What I do is two things. Not only do I do, um, I beg your pardon, a lay lecture, but I invite members of the community to dinner at one of the local barbecue places. Mm-hmm. And I kind of tell them about chiropractic and, you know, the spine and spinal cord, and, and, and I go through that process. And then I tell them about a patient who was totally paralyzed, had night, and I, you know, that's what I said. Right. I had a patient. And... And, I, and you can see people just go, and then I stand up and I say, and that patient is me. Chiropractic oh, nice. yeah, changed the course of my life. Um, because I learned from a, a great practitioner, Dr. Brad Pisa, you got to catch them with knowledge, but you got to leave them emotional. Because yes. the, the people at large are watching billions of hours of commercials, reading billions of articles on where they're going to find health, where they're going to find longevity, where they're going to find a cure, a pill or a potion that's going to fix all their ills and woes. So if we don't educate, then they're only hearing one side of the story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I think that's how we express our passion. You know, I tell people in our group, it's like become the person that can't not talk about it. You know, I mean, we can deliver the adjustment and people can get healed, but it's through the teaching that helps change the way they think, especially when people don't have those miracles. You know, and the next thing is, you know, we don't want to teach our patients chiropractic. We want to teach them to teach chiropractic so they can go bring in people like you and your daughter and your grandson. I mean, imagine how many people are out there right now that didn't have the miracle healing that you had, and even though it may be a miracle, that's what we expect. That's chiropractic. Chiropractic is yes. the miracle. Yes, the healing is expected. Yeah. Exactly. We we need to create as practitioners, as colleagues, 
as uh, students working towards a tremendous goal, our biggest responsibility is to create warriors for health. I always tell my patients, there is no wealth in health. Keeping people healthy, um, there's more wealth in sickness, is what I'm trying to say. There is no health insurance, there's sickness insurance. Mm -hmm. And when you can explain that to your parents, as students it was very hard to explain to my parents I wanted to become a chiropractor. You know, that they told me, why don't you become a real doctor? Yeah. yeah. The, the good old RD degree. Yeah, you know, I, are you telling me that that chiropractic is going to cure syphilis? I mean, that, that's things my father said because yeah. their belief system is is that the doctor is is the guardian of their health, is the person who makes all their decisions when uh, combating something that is irregular in the system. And that's how many generations have been raised. Uh, you know, uh, people struggle to give their children immunizations. Well, I had the swine flu shot. It paralyzed me. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, uh, no. But, but that was the normal to do. Everybody did it. My children are not immunized. My grandchildren are not immunized. People have tried to take me on in battles in this school. I'm not fun to take on in a battle. Nice. Yeah. So, do you think it was that flying through? Is that what you're saying? The swine flu oh, yes. shot gave you the game. Yeah, because we didn't give that before, so that was. Yeah. Yeah. The swine flu shot. Yeah, the swine flu shot is associated with the Guillain-Barré syndrome, and the new uh, flu injections that are coming out. If if you study the articles, or you do some research, it'll tell you yep. that. Let me give you an example. About six months ago, in the middle of a practice day. Thank God I was a patient who was very familiar with me. I had to look at my patient and say, give me a minute, Some, something's wrong, something's wrong. And, and his name is Miami Phillips. He, he's, a, he's a known author. He wrote the book, Be Do Have. He says, well, doc, sit down. No, no, no. I didn't want to say to him I couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And then something, something was wrong. I, I just couldn't seem to get my balance. Well, this went on for about 30 minutes, and, and I said, you know, just let's keep me in another room. I didn't want a lot of drama. I don't want an ambulance. I'm not going to the medical doctor. I, I couldn't think. I got them to bring me home. It took about a week of me fighting and not, not willing to do much of anything because I, I really couldn't get my grasp on that I did go see a medical doctor who actually works in an office with a chiropractor, and here's what had happened. I had contracted a viral trigger that woke the Guillain-Barre up and was demyelinating. Demyelinating. Wow. And this endocrinologist, being uh, uh, respecting the holistic approach, respecting chiropractic, respecting my choices, realized immediately what was going on. You know, didn't spend time making fun of me that I'm a chiropractor, my way of life, and, and just got some stuff into me as quickly as I could. And then I got adjusted from that moment on back, you know, back into chiropractic. But I had just depleted my system. But I had picked up a viral trigger from the people in my community getting a flu shot. Yep. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. That That's a, you know, the flu shot is just another one of those great lies. Like milk is going to get calcium into our bones. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I know. It's, it's crazy, and you know, the, it, unfortunately, it's just, a, you nailed it on the head. I mean, big media and the pharmaceutical industry has so much power and so much money in it. There is no money, like you said, in staying well. I mean, yeah. it, it's all sickness-based care, and, you know, with all those, those, those drug ads, I mean, if you hear something enough, you believe it to be true after a while. Well said. So do you give vaccination workshops in your 
clinic? No, I don't. I don't give any particular workshops. Um, I, I love to educate, and when I have an initial patient, excuse me, consultation, I explain to the, the new patient in front of me, I want you to be 100% clear. You know, I am a doctor. Doctor first means to teach. In this environment, I will teach you so you can make educated decisions. If any time that doesn't work for you, this is not the right place for you. Nice. And, and that might be a little stern, but you know, I've been practicing 19 years. I own a continuing education company. I love teaching. I think teaching is a, the only bigger responsibility than that is being a parent. Mm -hmm. And um, if my if my patients feel uncomfortable with the fact that I, I'm going to educate you so you can make educated decisions, then I'm happy to send you to another subluxation-based chiropractor who may not maybe choose that path. But yeah, I'm a New Yorker all the way. Yeah, we just, nice. We just tell it like it is. Yeah, love that style. You know, I think teacher and subluxation base go together. You know, yeah. how can you? What's subluxation base mean? You know, it means you're teaching a lifestyle. The rest, you know, and this is what we always say in elite. People have to buy why. The lifestyle is about why. Chiropractic is how. You know, yes. You got to teach them so they buy why that you can deliver the application. Of chiropractic and an adjustment and a spinal correction or whatever it is, yeah, that you're out there. So, I think we're teachers first, and we then that's a adjustment. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Angel, are you still are you teaching right now at the school or any uh, continuing ed itself? I know uh, we actually do continuing ed with your company, and it helps us out a lot in chiropractic biophysics. Mm -hmm. But are you doing any teaching yourself now? Yes, I, I actually will be teaching for 20 hours during the fall CE at Life University. And, um, yeah, I teach uh, documentation, jurisprudence. I, I teach the law. I, wow. I teach those things that that um, are required uh, to be educated and knowledgeable in to create good records. Yep, absolutely. Um, and, and I think that's – I, I pre appreciate the opportunity to share this with you. Many people say, even in our own profession – that, you know, how do we know chiropractic works? We don't have research to prove it. Well, if you look at your patient files and your files uh, followed a, a plan and, and followed a format, there's your proof. Yep. Uh, absolutely. Is, that, yeah, is that why you're passionate about that? I mean, because coming from your background and strong philosophy that you choose documentation, what's your... What became a passion about that? Well, that's an excellent question. When I opened my practice, um, I, I kind of failed at some of that documentation stuff when submitting information to insurance companies or information to a personal injury case. And, you know, I believe that there's lemonade from all lemons. So even my condition or disease that I contracted gave me this burning desire to learn. Because keep in mind, when I was about 30 years old, I was learning the alphabet. I was learning the numbers. I, I couldn't write a check. I know people can't imagine that, but I, I couldn't write a check. Uh, I couldn't compose much on my own. So when I come upon something that I'm not good at, I just work harder at it. And I when I couldn't get the answers to my questions, why do we do this, why do we do that, I started researching what true documentation was and and enjoyed it. And once I was able to explain it to my associate doctors and they said, oh, they didn't have such a struggle with it anymore. Mm -hmm. When um, they said, um, I was trying to think of a good example. Um, when the first insurance company back in the day asked me, well, Dr. Tribuno, did you do a constitutional exam? I went, huh? 
Nice. I didn't realize that all they were asking me was, did I do blood pressure pulse, respirate, you know, did I do the basic vital signs? Yeah. Right. When my colleagues and I would get together and we'd fuss and feud over the insurance companies, my research found that the insurance companies really haven't done anything. They put a numeric value to a definition created by an entity before the insurance companies ever existed. The insurance yeah. companies didn't create the definitions of what we can do and what we can't do. And so that's why, probably why I enjoy it, is it gives me an opportunity to share with my colleagues. It's not that hard to do documentation. Let me show you the way. Yeah, and, you know, the biggest nice. thing is, like uh, we talked about on the last podcast, and we always seem to talk about documentation, is that, you know, many doctors still treat documentation. They, they change their documentation based on the patient, like mm -hmm. what insurance, instead of treating everybody exactly the same that's level right. of documentation. and. You know, I learned early on because I've done a lot of med legal that, you know, anybody, if it's a cash patient or somebody that you even give care away to, those people need records and need to know, even though you may memorize what you need to do for them, something happens to you. Somebody else may not know what the care was being rendered. But more importantly, those patients turn around and get into a car accident or slip and fall, something like that. Well, the attorney is going to want to know and the insurance companies are going to want to know, well, what is different now than what predated this? And if you have good records, I mean, it is so easy to defend a case for the patient so they can get back to their to as near normal as possible. You know, and if you don't have those records, they don't have a chance. You're they really they right. really don't. And you know, a lot of the cases, some of the uh, the studies, the case reports that we've done in CBP, a lot of those were cases we all have great cases, but if you do good documentation, it's easy to go back and write case studies and case series because That's right. we already had the good records. That's and like, right. And like what Deed says, you know, if you're truly a subluxation-based chiropractor, you need to give outcome studies. And one of the best ones that you could give would be uh, an SF36 or a RAND36 uh, or essentially the same, just scored a little differently, because that is a health status questionnaire, and it truly represents what true chiropractic is about. And so it's kind of funny that when people say, well, I'm a cash-based practice, I don't need to do this. Well, you know what? You have to do it regardless, and it's going to be your state board that's going to come after you for treating a patient that you don't have records on. And, and, or the patient you can't gets prove your care. Yeah, exactly. You have to prove medical necessity, or I should say chiropractic necessity, mm -hmm. and records are the easiest way to do it. You know, and, and I, I'm glad you bring that up. You know, I think it needs to be shared with, with our students and our colleagues. It doesn't matter whether you're a cash-based practice, an insurance practice, a PI practice, a combination of all three, or you're taking live chickens or you're giving your care away. Yep. By definition, when you chose to become a licensed health care provider, you signed up for the responsibility of keeping records on that individual patient about their history and about the, the course you took based on your, your uh, findings mm -hmm. and why you chose that course and what were the results of that course. And you don't expect less from the mechanic who's working on your car. Absolutely. Well said. And yes. I, I just think we made it kind of scary in school. I was scared in school. I mean, yep. I thought a new patient took eight and a half hours. Yeah, I know. <laughs> nice. It did in clinic. Yeah. It did one it. patient a day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. Takes but a little long to get yeah. Documentation, yeah. record keeping can be an overwhelmingly fearful process. 
um, by some of the greatest chiropractors I know. I was just down with a chiropractor in Florida going over some stuff. He asked me to come down. And when I, I was able to show him a real simple process, he said, damn, this is not that scary. I don't have to spend $20,000 on buying, you know, some software he's going to punch buttons on. I said, gosh, gee, you know, not only do you not have to, that's cookie cutter. They don't give you enough um, choices to base it on that individual person. Mm-hmm. If you find a software that does, that's the one you should buy. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So now that you've done so many things, uh, you know, had many experiences still practicing, what are your visions and goals now? What do you see for yourself now and coming into the future? In the profession that's, or personally? That's a very that's an interesting question. God and I are discussing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, I, I I don't know if you know who Dr. Steve Hoffman is, but yep. uh, he's also a coach in our profession. Mm-hmm. And I, I shared with Steve, and, and I appreciate again the opportunity to share with all of you. Back in the day when I first learned terminology, which I learned from chiropractors about setting goals and 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 having a vision and making a plan. I set all those goals, made my vision, set my plan based on my understanding of my abilities and my performance. I've reached all those goals. And so now I sit and say, oof, what's next? I've, I've put that much money in the bank. I've, I've, I've reached a certain uh, lifestyle. I've, I've, um, I love teaching. Where do I go from here? So I'm actually working on that right now with God. First, I want to get through my daughter's wedding, and then God and I are going to sit down and have a long talk about how he'd like me to serve for the rest of my life. Nice. Wow. That's great. Any ideas on that, or you, it's all, uh, it's all no, going to happen? I, I don't know. I, I love teaching. I, I truly love teaching. Um, I, I don't know. I have nothing to complain about. I, 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 there's nothing I want. I'd like to spend more time with colleagues of like mind. I don't yep. seem to uh, attract that into my world right now. In the environment in which I live, um, it's a little isolated. Yeah. Um, I think as we grow as professionals, we change and um, we lose heart and we fall out of love with the profession trying to deal with the business aspect of it and and running the business aspect and without a good support mechanism from qualified colleagues such as yourselves it gets pretty overwhelming um, to be out there by yourself and so I've become so isolated just learning the process because I didn't understand the question all the time how do you go to a, a, a chiropractor and say well Dr. Fred you said I could ask you any question, but I don't understand the questions because I don't really know what I'm doing wrong anymore. Yeah. I don't know where I got lost. Yeah, it's it's real important. That, you know, I, I tell people that they're like, boy, you go to a lot of seminars and teach a lot. You know, it's actually, it's, it's very good for me as a chiropractor to be around chiropractors with like minds, just like you said. Yeah. So even though like this weekend... Uh, Deed and I are going to be in Detroit for a cervical rehab seminar. Next weekend, we're going to be in Kansas City for an instrument and upper cervical seminar. I, I feel like it's I, I get more out of actually, even though we're gonna I'm going to teach and I'm going to help out, I get more out of being around other chiropractors and just feeding off the energy with them and getting excited about coming back and and even though I'm in part time practice now, giving back and helping my associate doctors you know, get excited about seeing patients again and, you know, helping them with certain cases and things like that. It, 
you know, it does bring more spiz back to your, your practice. Do you find that your practice gets busier after you've come off the road and been with other chiropractors and all of a sudden it's like the doors just open up and the patients just start flooding in? Absolutely. All, all yeah. the time. I mean, uh, you know, especially when you go and you, you have one of those weekends where you're like, wow, this is what chiropractic is about. Um, and, you know, there is something too. you know, when when Dr. Sid had, you know, was doing DE and all this at, at the time at life, you know, I didn't know what it was about. I knew it was about philosophy, but now I understand why he did it. Yes. You, you know, back then I didn't understand. Uh, you know, every time we would go to an assembly, I mean, Sid knew what he was doing when he was getting all the students together. But as students, we don't know. All we know is oh. that we're going to the auditorium and listening to some chiropractor speak. But yes. now I knew what he was trying to do. And as students, you know, we, we, we lose track a lot of times. And then when you get out, like you said, and you're, you're in your own little world. And I know so many chiropractors around me right now that are struggling and they don't even reach out to no. even come to local society meetings. No, they don't know how to reach out. Yep. Well, I think it's important also on that same vein <laughs> is that everybody stays a part of a group. And when you do get in practice, you know, I look at even our clients, you know, some people get caught up and you miss a seminar. I know when I grew the most in practice, I was part of a group taking my team out of town every other month. And you have to be consistent because you get caught up in all the stuff of day-to-day practice and you just have to take a shower. I mean, I went to DE every three months for 10 years, didn't miss one. And as well as having another management group or something. I mean, I had four coaches, and now I am a coach. And I always tell my clients, like you said, Angel, they come back from a seminar. We just gave one in Chicago, and I'm getting testimonials all day long because you got to be part of a group yes. of like-minded people and that are moving in the direction that you want to move and stay active and immersed in it. And uh, it's like taking a shower from all the stuff. You need your philosophical... Yeah, you know, and, and I think shower. the like-minded people is very, very important. Um, and what I want to lay caution to for our student and colleagues is like-minded people doesn't mean, in my opinion, escaping from where you are and going out and carousing and drinking and you know coming home in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. If that's like-minded people, which we, we've seen with our colleagues and and other healthcare professionals, like-minded people is is joining together and helping each other to become better than we already are. Yeah, right. Get, getting that, helping with that fire that you could say to a friend in the profession, God, let me tell you, I had such a rough week. You know, I, I felt like I lost my focus. I, I replayed the video in my mind, and, and I wish I'd moved that bone a little differently. You know, I'm a little behind on my notes. And your colleague saying to you, I've been there. Let me give you some thoughts on how I might approach that differently. Not sitting, commiserating over, you know, I never understood why Dr. Sid would say, there's no alcohol at DE, there's no smoking cigarettes, don't come here with your pills and your potions. And now I get it. Yep. Because it's easy to go into the gutter when you're, you're feeling kind of lousy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Absolutely. Well, that's just so important. Like, like you said, you know, you have to uh, create that unity. You know, we're all we're a piece in a grand puzzle, and that piece is important and contributes to the puzzle. So you gotta you gotta maintain that unity in the group and with your colleagues that are that can inspire each other. And then you come home, man, you're fresh. And yep. then you want to you tell the principal and teach people with passion again. 
And you got to take that. You got to, you know, just like we have to remind our patients why they're there, we have to remind ourselves why we're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, get out of the minutia. I think, Dr. Fred, what you're doing, I think it takes tremendous courage and conviction and personal integrity to take on the responsibility of being a coach because a coach is is a teacher, it's a guru, and that must mean you have tremendous love for your fellow man, for all the people you're helping who are helping others. And to choose to have a teacher, a coach, I have a life coach, I have a business coach, I I have a personal trainer who's going to kill me real soon because I, I haven't worked out. But I need the help with those things because I can't do it all by myself. Absolutely. And we weren't meant to do it by ourselves. Yeah. So that's the whole thing. But thank you. I appreciate that. And yes, in spite of all the phenomenal relationships, I think the basic principle and foundation is I do and everybody here on the phone and people listening, we love chiropractic. Yep. You know, I had a life coach, and he goes, so, you know, Fred, who are you? And I said, I'm a chiropractor. And he goes, no, you're not. That's what you do. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm a chiropractor. No, that's what you do. Look, man, I'm a chiropractor. That's just it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have a name, but I'm a chiropractor. Yep. And I think that's it. You know, Joe and I know you, Angel, we are, we're all very passionate and know that chiropractic is at least one of our life purposes. And I've always said the greatest, my greatest fear is not doing what God called me to do in chiropractic. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I know that's the same with you guys. Absolutely. Yes. yes. So I know we're getting ready to, to close here. Um, and Angel, you said you're going to be where teaching at, at the the life is the life homecoming. Yeah, no, Life University. They don't have homecoming anymore. They more they call it fall CE. Okay. Dr. Deed Harrison will be there. I will be there. Um, Dr. Steve Hoffman, Dr. Joe Cipriano. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, under the auspices of Dr. Guy Reekman, the president of Life University, they are giving away um, the, to the first 900 people that attend continuing education credits. Wow. Wow, and, that's great. Um, yeah, because I think it's, it's their um, thought that education is, is available to all people, and there's no reason in these economic times you can't get an education. And they have created quite a formula for... Um, the folks to, to visit with many, many speakers in all the categories required for the state licenses across the United States. Now, how, do, how does one go about getting registered for that convention? Well, that's an excellent question. I would suspect they could go to the website for Life University, mm-hmm. or they could call the Life University Continuing Education Postgraduate Department at 770-426-2750. Um, I, I think they'll be most pleased. Again, there's only 900 spaces that I'm aware of, and I was real careful to call in the postgrad department. I said, you know, I'm old now. Please make sure I have a parking space when I get there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I never forget those days, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'll definitely be there as well, too. You know, oh, it's, wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very easy for me to get to, and, of course, it's my passion, and, of course, I'm – no, I was. I'm a graduate of life, so I definitely want to get back there. It's always fun coming back to Atlanta, that's for sure. And uh, Fred, what do you have coming up now? Besides, uh, obviously, you're coming to some of our seminars. Um, it, what do you have as far as your boot camps uh, coming up? Well, I think on the same topic as today, you know, because Elite is 
specific for spinal correction. There's lots of there's lots of management groups that uh, you know tell you to go fix the spine, and Elite is built around spinal correction. It's built around CVP and and posture and organs. So what we have coming up June 10th through 12th is a boot camp where you can truly learn how to coach people. You know, I'm a professional life coach and as well, and we took life coaching principles and applied it to spinal correction and chiropractic, where you can learn how to take a person that comes in with pain, really has no idea about chiropractic in a very short period of time, have them totally emotionally committed and viewing things and their condition and their body, and most importantly, the lifestyle of chiropractic very fast. So we have a boot camp coming up that makes that process predictable. And where's that at? It's in Atlanta, yeah, in Atlanta, June 10th through the 12th. So no you can call me at, uh, Dr. well, call me at 253-851-8353 or go to Dr. Fred, D-R-F-R-E-D-1, the number one, Dr. Fred one at msn.com. I keep giving you a hard time about your, your email account. It, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so, so hard to remember. I still have to ask you about it. Um, yeah, it, you know, as far as we'll be um, we'll be uh, attending there. I know my office is going to be coming uh, to that boot camp as well, of course, because you're obviously our office coach as well, and it's helped out quite a bit. Um, but you know, like I said, it, it's been it's truly remarkable. You know, going out and, and teaching with uh, Dr. Deed and having you a part of it. And Angel, this has been just wonderful uh, experience having you on the podcast tonight. Oh, I'm Thank really you, the one who's honored. Thank you, both both of you gentlemen. Thank we you for what you do for so many. Wonderful. Thank you. Likewise. All right. Well, that should wrap it up. Thank you so much. We appreciate all the listeners. We uh, try and deliver the best. And as you can see with Angel on here, that, uh, you know, we're truly amazed and honored for you to share your story with us and we will hopefully see you see our crowd or hear them next week or you hear us next yeah, week of course and, and like i always say I, I plan on getting this into itunes within the week and i really mean it this time fred yeah, that's, <laughs> <good>. <laughs> that's a good thing yeah all right guys all right gang okay. thank you and thank good night you.